It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Washington Wizards fans, and welcome to Locked On Wizards Podcast. This is your host, Ed Oliver. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at E-D-T-O-O-F-L-A-T-T. Before we get started, uh, make sure you check out Tuesdays on the Locked On NBA Podcast. It's East Meets West, Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News, and host of Locked On Warriors and David Ramil. Host of Locked On Heat, tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day. Coast to coast, follow the Locked On NBA Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Wizards. And follow Locked On Wizards on Twitter as well. Um, let's get started here. We have special guest Chase Hughes, uh, NBA insider, Washington Wizards NBA insider from NBC Sports Washington. How you feeling today, man? I'm doing great, man. Appreciate you uh, having me on uh, before the season starts. It's crazy how quick this off season's gone. Yeah, it, it really is. It's coming up really fast. I know uh, training camp is coming up pretty soon. Media day. Uh, I I just can't wait. I can't wait for the NBA to start. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's a little bit shorter than the average NBA offseason, but I think it's good that we're kind of back to normal on the traditional schedule. 82 games, you know, more than one day in between games. Hopefully that cuts down on the injury. So I'm just kind of excited to have the NBA back and and on sort of a a normal calendar. Right. I can't wait. Um, So to to get started here, so we're going to, I'm going to ask you two questions here that are not about the NBA, but it's about a local sports team. And I know uh, you're, you're, you sound, it looks like you're a pretty big uh, Washington football team fan. So um, <laughs> what were your thoughts on the Thursday night game? I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Washington football fan as well. I'm a diehard fan. Uh, what were you, oh, what man. went through your mind when Dustin Hopkins missed that first field goal? And uh, also, do you think <laughs> yeah. Heineke has <laughs> – do you think Taylor Heineke has a legitimate shot of becoming a quarterback one for the Washington football team and uh, for the foreseeable future? Well, first of all, I thought they lost when uh, Hopkins missed that kick. It was like the fifth time that night that I thought they had lost the game. Like when Taylor Heineke threw that really bad pick, uh, when they were backed up on their own end zone, I thought they lost it then. Um, there were just so many moments in that game that made you feel like they kind of got away with one. So I feel like that was the type of win that if you're a really good team in the NFL, you sort of go through the next week plus. I know it was played on Thursday, but you go 
through the next week preparing for the next team as if it was a loss. Like, I hope they treat that as if it was almost a loss because the Giants aren't very good. The defense, you know, doesn't look good. Um, Heineke, I don't know. I, I've been around long enough to see this type of thing happen before where, um, you know, of course, there's been a lot of backup quarterbacks in this town. And um, it dawned on me that night just how many of them have started national TV games. Like Mark uh, Sanchez started a national TV game, Colt McCoy, like Todd Collins, all these dudes. Um, so he looks really good. And obviously that the throw he made to Ricky Seals Jones was amazing. Um, but I, I need to see a larger sample size. But I think he's got enough to, if he keeps playing like this, you know, maybe keep Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, away from the starting job. What do you think about that? Definitely. I think uh, Heineke, I mean, the legend of Taylor Heineke, he's a fan favorite. Uh, fans love him. Ch Chase Young loves him. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think Yeah, Heineke. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, the guy's a gamer. I mean, he comes in, he, he just brings something different to the team. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the playoff game, I just I don't think it was a fluke. I think the guy's is really a baller. And I think if he actually gets a legitimate shot, uh, I think he could be a legitimate starter in the league. And, and Fitzpatrick, um, I, I uh, personally, I wasn't a, the biggest fan of signing him, but I thought, you know, he played yeah, for the Dolphins. But um, that injury, man, he's 39 years old and that hip injury, I don't. They say he's going to come back in six to eight weeks, but I, I personally I don't really trust it. I, I think Taylor Heineke, we, like you said, it's a small sample size. We got to see how he does against a tough Bills team, and and um, you know, let's see what he does. And he looks good. I mean, the guy looks good. The, the offense looks a lot better with him in, uh, under center than what it did with Ryan Fitzpatrick in that Chargers game. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I feel like he's probably kind of similar to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like he's sort of a gunslinger, gambler, and right. um, it's kind of it's fun to watch. Obviously, it's a big change from uh, last year and just when Alex Smith was the quarterback. Um, but I kind of liked uh, you know the the boring, but they won games. Um, right now, it's kind of like it's on your edge of your seat, but you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it it really is. It's crazy because we we were like, oh, this defense is going to be incredible, but now it looks like the offense is uh, firing with Taylor Heineke. I understand Antonio Gibson looks good, too. But uh, I'm excited to see what Heineke can do. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it should be fun next week. But um, we're going to we're gonna hop back into the Wizards. I know it was just a crazy game. The Ravens game was crazy last night as well. So uh, it's been a lot of fun in DMV sports. But um, to get started, uh, I saw your reaction as well to the ESPN article. It had the Washington Wizards finishing 11th in the Eastern Conference. Um, how did you feel about that ESPN preseason ring or that, you know, the, that prediction? And uh, where do you see the Washington Wizards finishing in the Eastern Conference this upcoming season? Well, I found it fascinating because it came on the heels of uh, Vegas odds makers and sports books kind of reflecting a similar opinion about the Wizards, which is very different, I think, from fans and local media. There was a lot of positive uh, reaction to what the Wizards did in the offseason because I think fans and local media recognized that it was kind of going in a different direction than the past and though they got rid of a really good player in Russell Westbrook they finally got rid of the Supermax contract and created depth and flexibility with their salary cap so I think a lot of people like what they did but then you see sports books who set the odds and then you see ESPN who got all their NBA insiders together and they don't think the Wizards are going to be very good and I saw so points bet who's a sports bet they had a sports book they had the Wizards as the 12th team in the East uh, before ESPN had them 11th in the East and they actually gave them the second biggest drop of any team after free agency so th there was a direct cause and effect and what's interesting is points bet uh, their odds last year they had the Wizards at 33 and a half wins 
And they ended up winning 34 after all that they went through. That prediction was essentially right on the money. And then ESPNs, even though they weren't right about every team, they were dead on with the Wizards. They had them at uh, 35 wins. And of course, they won 34. And then they had them eighth in the East. And that's where they ended up. So now that they, these outlets are essentially predicting that um, teams like the Bulls and the Raptors and the Pacers will probably jump them in the East. And of course, there's some teams that got better ahead of them. I personally disagree with those takes. I think the Wizards are going to be a playoff team. Now, I don't think they're going to be the third seed in the East. I mean, it's pretty stacked at the top. I think they're probably another move or two away from joining those ranks. But I think they have the depth to withstand injuries, and they have the defensive depth because they added a lot of guys who can defend. Uh, I think it's going to raise the floor of the team. I don't, I don't think they're going to bottom out like they did last year when they went 15 games under 500 before, of course, they finished the season on that remarkable run to make the playoffs. Um, but I think they're going to be a pretty good team. I, I don't, I don't, I, I can kind of theorize why ESPN and the sports books feel that way. Uh, but I personally think they're going to be a little bit better than that and, and make the playoffs uh, probably as the eighth seed like they did last year, but maybe with a brighter future because of the flexibility. Right. And um, the over under is 34 and a half, correct? Yeah. And would you take the over on that? <laughs> I would. I would. Yeah. I mean, they won the equivalent. I think it would have been like 39 games if it was an 82 game season last year. I don't think they're going to be five game, five wins worse than they were. So, yeah, I would take the over on that. Uh, I mean, 82 games to win 35. You don't have to be that good of a team. You don't even have to be a playoff team. So I thought that was a little bit low. Right. Yeah. What about you? Would you take the over? Uh, I'm going to take the over. I, I think. My prediction is I'm kind of I'm kind of on the middle I'm kind of in the middle with the Wizards. Mm-hmm. I still I'm with you with that playing range. Um, I would say I, my my early prediction is kind of 40 and 42, and I think the East did get better. So uh, I think I think it's not going to be like oh you're 37 and 45 and be the eighth seed. I think you're 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 right. going to actually have to legitimately win 40 games to get to that eighth seed this year. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the deepest the East has been in a while. I mean, I've always kind of uh, pushed back when people say, oh, the East is a lot better. It's catching up to the West because I've noticed just the trends, not only how the West has been essentially the better conference since Michael Jordan retired from the Bulls, but also the flood of young talent. There's a lot of young superstars in the West that basically uh, have the league set up or that, that conference set up to dominate the league for a long time. Guys like Zion Williamson and Luka Doncic and, and John Morant. Um, a lot of the number one picks have gone to the Western Conference in recent years. Uh, but you look at the landscape of the East now, and it's really, really good at the top. It might be better than the West at the top. And though the West has always been deeper, it's kind of catching up. Like, I think I like what the Bulls did uh, this offseason. I don't think they're going to be you know, championship contenders, but I think they're a playoff team. The Celtics should be better with Jalen Brown uh, being healthy. The Knicks were a really good defensive team and a, and a good team, and they've got R.J. Barrett on the rise. Um, of course, Kimball Walker, they got him this offseason. And, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, they were banged up last year. The Wizards went 2-1 and one against them, but they never saw them full strength. Um, now that they have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, if those guys can stay healthy, obviously they'll be really good. Um, so I think it's going to be a tough conference. Um, I think the Wizards are, are probably going to be in that third tier, the top tier being, of course, Milwaukee, Philly, and, and Brooklyn. And then there'll be a few teams after them. Like I think Boston will be in that mix and the Knicks and maybe the Heat. And then I think the Wizards will be in sort of that next group with the Pacers and maybe the Raptors and probably the Bulls and teams like that. But, but I think they can win 40 games, 40 and 42. Like you said, I think that sounds like a pretty realistic prediction. 
Yeah, like you like you said as well. It's gonna be tough. I mean, the Hawks. We didn't even mention the Hawks. Yeah, they're young. Uh, John Collins and, and Gallinari, Bardonovich, Clint Capella. The list goes on and on. They have a really deep team. Lou Williams off the bench. I like the Hawks a lot. Like you said, the Celtics. Schroeder. They didn't really have a great offseason, but you know, bringing in Dennis Schroeder for cheap. Uh, you know, he's supposed to get paid a lot of money. And then the Hornets with Lamelo Ball, Gordon Hayward. He's a big X factor, Lamelo Ball. Like if he if yeah. he takes a big leap this year, they could become a team that leaps the Wizards. Yeah, it's interesting. And then they got the former Wizard and Kelly Kelly Oubre coming off the bench. So <laughs> yeah, wild card. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and then, you, you, like you said, the Bulls as well. I mean, the Bulls got Demar Derozan is a legitimate pickup. Nikola uh, Vucevic, um, Alonzo Ball, Alex Caruso. So um, the, the East is going to it's going to be a tough. I mean, we didn't even say the Raptors. The Raptors. I think the Wizards are better than the Raptors, but you really can't sleep on them because, you know, they were playing in Jacksonville last year. So it was a a disadvantage on their part. They didn't have their home court advantage, which usually um, they do well against the Wizards in in Toronto. Yeah, and I say say the Pacers too. You know, Nate McMillan, when they had him, they were a really good team. Two years ago, they had a a coaching disaster last season, but then they got Rick Carlisle. So the personnel is similar. They can defend. They've also got guys that can score. They got young players who are ascending, so I think that's a good team. Uh, you're pro- I would say the threshold, you know, you said 40 wins. You know, maybe the Wizards could get the A seed. I think that's probably the threshold. I don't know if you'll need a winning record to be the eighth seed in the East, but you'll probably need to be right around 500, I think, at a minimum. Right. And then the Sixers are a huge wild card. You just don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons, what they're going to get with in, in return for him. I still think whatever return they get, I would still put them in the top six just because of Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and Seth Curry, I think they would still be in the mm-hmm. even if they downgrade. Yeah, they've got Doc Rivers, a lot of depth. Um, yeah, even if they traded Ben Simmons and it's one of those deals, which I don't think it would be, where they don't get a star in return, but maybe it's draft picks and depth, they still have a top five player probably in the NBA right now, Joel Embiid. At least he played like that last year. And when healthy, he's really, really good. Good coach, depth. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna win 50-plus games, I think, no question. Right. So it's going to be a lot of fun, but I, I do want to get your reaction on the rest book trade. But before we do, we have to uh, give a quick shout out to a couple of our, our sponsors here. This episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. Uh, it's doctor created and doctor recommended. It's still very hot outside in the DMV. Uh, so this is a great uh, sweat defender. Uh, Rachel Ray, this this has been uh, showcased on Rachel Ray and also firefighters use sweat block as well and it is wedding season so you know if you are at a wedding and you know you're you're wearing your suit your tuxedo you don't want to have a sweat stain on your armpit area uh check out sweat blog it works up for works for up to seven days per use dry shirt guarantee uh it's a bestseller on amazon for the past 10 years over 13,000 reviews manufactured in the usa it's your little secret to confidence this is a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag whether it's a big presentation or a hot date everyone can benefit uh check out locked and the promo code for a sweat block is locked on 20% off. Once again, the promo code is locked on. You can check it on Amazon and CVS and sweatblock.com. This episode is also brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love with, without the hassle. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at DirectTV, 
Compatible compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, so I, I just wanted to get your reaction, of course, to the uh, Russell Westbrook trade. And um, did you hear anything leading up to the leading up before the uh, before the news was announced? Well, you know, it was really interesting. It was kind of kept under wraps publicly. Um, you know, there weren't uh, really any reports ahead of it, kind of like there were, of course, not that far uh, before that when Russell Westbrook and John Wall were traded for each other. And, of course, the rumor broke about a week before the trade actually happened. But it was interesting because in hindsight, um, just from talking to people off the record, there were some things I could kind of piece together afterwards that were clues <laughs> that maybe I should have paid more attention to. And I'm sure other people heard the same, but it's like when the, when the Beal stuff came out um, before the draft about him mulling his future, you know, and kind of confirming that, um, I heard from people close to him that part of it was that um, he, he could tell that Russell Westbrook was out the door. Um, and he was kind of contemplating about how he fit into the Wizards' future post-Russell Westbrook and how good they would be, et cetera, et cetera. So that kind of came to mind. And then, of course, we heard some things in retrospect about how, um, you know, Russell Westbrook had indicated to the Wizards that he might want out, how he had met with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So it was pretty surprising when it happened. But um, like I said, there were some tea leaves that I kind of looked back on and, and realized that, okay, well, now it kind of makes some sense. Um, my reaction, I thought it was just interesting following this team for a long time, the sort of new direction that they, they went uh, forth with, which is not doing the sort of top-heavy two-star system where you have two really high-paid players and specifically guards, which is kind of the model that they had for many years with John Wall and Bradley Beal, and then, of course, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. So I think it's interesting that they can get out from under that Supermax contract and spread the money to add uh, more depth around the roster and, and, you know, maybe have more tradable contracts. I, I really think it was just an interesting dynamic, especially you just look at the domino effects of having two really high-paid players and how little room they had other than that, and then also how, you know, the performance of a guy like Davis Bertans could be magnified because he was the third-highest-paid player by a long shot. Um, so I, I think it's interesting the direction they're going. Now, I think if I had to boil it down to sort of a, a, a in a nutshell take, I would say I think their floor is higher than it was because they have the depth and they have more defenders and, and more guys who could probably create their own shot, more shooters. Um, but their ceiling also may be a little bit lower because I think Russell Westbrook was a really good player, a really good rebounder. And as we saw down the stretch of last season when they won 17 to 23 games, he was a huge reason for that. Um, so I think there's going to be some, some stuff in his game that they'll miss. Um, but overall, they probably better position themselves for the future. And I think their ceiling long-term is probably higher. It just sort of depends on what they do with the resources and the options that they've given themselves. Right, yeah. Um, like you said, it's just reading the tea leaves. You know, you saw LeBron and Russ hanging out uh, before the trade happened, so you can kind of see uh, some conversations going on there. And uh, and Russ will be missed. I mean, down the stretch, like you said, going 17-6, and six, that, he was a huge part in that. Um, and he got an MVP vote towards the end of the year as well, which was, was, which wasn't surprising in my opinion. I thought he played pretty darn well in the second half and he just had some crazy games. Of course, the triple doubles. I mean, I remember the playoff game we won, he went three for 19 from the field, if I'm not mistaken, and still had a triple double was, and just impacted the game in a huge, in a huge part. Um, so how do you, how did you like the return, you know, getting Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Montrose Harrell, all the Lakers guys, how did you like the return that the Wizards got? I liked it. You know, I've always been a big fan of Montrez Harrell's game. Um, you know, unheralded player, 
who became a really highly efficient scorer even, uh, even though he's, he's mostly been known for sort of doing the dirty work, blue collar stuff, taking charges, uh, boxing out, rebounding, uh, blocking shots. You know, not a great defensive player. Of course, that's how he kind of got bumped from the rotation in L.A., but I think he'll fit in just fine here. Um, Kyle Kuzma, also a big fan of his game. I think there's a lot of upside there that he can still tap into as a guy who just turned 26. You know, before LeBron and Anthony Davis showed up, he was a legit score, like 18, 19 points a game, shooting about 45%. And since he's gotten better shooting the three, he's gotten better as a defender. So I think there's a chance that they sort of got a guy who can prove to be a diamond in the rough, even though he's already an established player, because there's upside there. And he's probably still a few years away from reaching his prime. Um, Caldwell Pope, um, I I like his game. I, I think the reason why I really like that acquisition is just because of the fit. You know, he's a defensive wing, uh, can play the backup two behind Bradley Beal. He can shoot the three over 40% from three. So he, he just checks off a lot of boxes of what the Wizards needed. And then, of course, they flipped that first-round pick to the Pacers and got um, Isaiah Todd with the second-round pick. We'll see about that one. I think there were some pretty good players uh, still on the board with that first-round pick if they had kept it. But I do like the acquisition of Aaron Holiday. You know, analytics suggest he's a really good defensive guard. Um, he can also shoot the three. I think he's a similar player to Howell Neto. I think the Wizards feel that way too. And we all know how well Howell Neto played for the Wizards last year. So I think having two of them uh, to back up Spencer Dinwiddie, it's going to be a really good point guard rotation because all three guys can defend. Um, and in Neto and Holiday, you just have really ideal backup point guards in that they're gritty defenders who can shoot the three and aren't going to be you know, selfish looking for their own shot. They're going to run the offense. Um, so I really like what the Wizards have in their, their point guard room right now um, after that deal. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I like the Isaiah Todd pick as well. You know, he's a local guy. I think he has a lot of potential as well. Um, you did say there were some guys on the board. And I remember your mock draft, you said Jalen John. You wanted the Wizards to get Jalen Johnson uh, out of Duke, which was a very intriguing pick. He had a great summer league. Uh, I thought Corey Kisper had uh, an okay summer league, but, you know, he's, he's a guy that needs people to set him up. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how the draft turns out. Um, you know, there were some of the point guards on the, on the board, like Sharif Cooper and guys like that. But I, I do think Isaiah Todd uh, will be a solid player for the Washington Wizards. Uh, but to get back to the, to the Lakers, uh, which of the three Lakers do you see making the biggest impact for the Washington Wizards? I think it'll be Kuzma uh, because of the upside that I mentioned. You know, he's 26, just turned 26, I believe. And if you look at sort of the history of the NBA and some of the like data that's been put together on when guys reach their peak, it's generally around 27, 28, 29, it's in their late twenties. So if he can get back to being the high volume scorer that he was, um, couple that with the defense that he's played in recent years, I think he could turn into a really good player, maybe sort of a fringe all-star. Um, offensively also, I think there's, it's like after Bradley Beal, there's a bunch of guys who could sort of, uh, who probably have a chance, I should say, to be the second leading scorer on the team. But it's a crowded group, and I think it's going to require uh, some aggression and some, you know, looking for your own shot. And I think that Kyle Kuzma is going to be that type of player who will uh, be a big enough uh, – he'll have enough, a big enough role on the team in terms of, you know, he's probably going to start at the three or if not be the sixth man. I think there will be plenty of shots coming his way, and I think he'll be willing to take them. Um, so I think upside in terms of both sides of the court, um, he'll, he'll present the most and, and be the best acquisition. Although. I think people uh, should probably not sleep on Montrezl Harrell because two years ago when he was with the Clippers, he was a really good player, averaging about 19 points a game. And I went back and looked at the Washington Post ranks the top 100 players in the NBA every year. 
And he was, by a good margin, the highest-ranked player uh, going into last season of the players that the Wizards uh, acquired. And that includes Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie was ranked 80th, and that was before his ACL injury. So it was coming off his career year in 2019-20 when Montrose Harrell was uh, in the 50s. I think he was 58. So he was, like, in a different tier than Spencer Dinwiddie, and that's when all things were equal. So I, I think people don't need to sleep on Montrez Harrell, even though um, there's a chance, of course, that he's not going to be a starter when Dan Woody would be a starter uh, because of Daniel Gafford and eventually once Thomas Bryant returns, the depth that they have is at his position. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, Montrez Harrell was the sixth man of the year. and he, he brings a different element to the team, just the physical, the physicality. The, you know, he plays like a junkyard dog. He plays at 100% um, at all times. I mean, he finishes around the rim uh, very strongly. So I'm, I'm interested to see him. He brings. He's going to bring some tenacity and some toughness uh, to this roster for sure. I, I like the Kuzma pick too. I just like how Lakers guys, when they usually leave, um, Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, uh, you can even say Thomas Bryant. You know, he's with the Lakers too. If you can throw him all, Mo Wagner, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. I mean, the list, Julius Randle, the list goes on and on. Guys just play um, better when they when they leave Los Angeles and they leave the Lakers. Um, I really like the interview that he had with Gilbert Arenas not too long ago, just talking about the expectations. Uh, with the Lakers and just leaving there, you just you just feel more free. And you're not under the pressure. So I, I think he de- I think he can make that leap um, in in Washington. And I I do want to get to um, some lineup questions, um, but before we do get into that, um, just a quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized the fantasy basketball that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. Strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick. It's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, sharing an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, and more. All of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, game picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy basketball, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. This episode is also brought to you by uh, Theragun. Don't let this, don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's a quiet, it's quiet as an ele- as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good; it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out an injury or just the stress of everyday life, there's no substitute for Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen, the OLED screen, and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers. 
Try Theragun for 30 days. Start at only $190. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's, thera, that's therabody.slash locked on. Therabody.com slash locked on. The promo code is locked on. All right. So I wanted to ask you um, who do you think on day one? And also, when Thomas Bryant comes back 100% in around December or January, who is your starting five? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Well, I think uh, obviously there's some easy answers here. Dinwiddie is the point guard. Uh, Bradley Beal is the two. And it sounds like Rui Hachimura is pretty safe as the four. Uh, Tommy Shepard said that as much in his press conference after free agency, uh, saying that he doesn't foresee Rui Hachimura's role changing. Um, now, obviously, new head coach Wes Unsell Jr. will have some say on that, but um, I think it's probably pretty safe to expect that he'll be the starting four. So the questions are at the three and the five. I think Kyle Kuzma is going to be the starting three. Um, I think he's the most proven and the most uh, complete player of the ones of the guys who could start at the three. You know, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is another candidate, and he started a lot of games for the Lakers in recent years. Uh, but I kind of like him more as a backup uh, because if he's starting, then I think there's a pretty big hole behind Bradley Beal at the two when Contavious Caldwell-Pope could be the backup too, but also place in three. Um, so I think you, you give yourself more options if he comes off the bench. As for the five, um, it's a really tough question. I think I'm going to go with Daniel Gafford though. Um, he's the best defensive player on this team, uh, probably overall on this team. Uh, he's definitely the best defensive big man, and he's clearly the best rim protector. So I think Wes Unsell Jr., knowing his track record with defense, I think he's going to covet that. And I think he'll have Daniel Gafford as the starting five. And, and we've seen Montrezl Harrell come off the bench and be really, really successful, as you mentioned, the sixth man of the year a couple years back. Uh, so I think they'll, they'll bank on that. He's a, a good bench scorer, too. He gives you some bench scoring. If you look at the uh, top players the last two years with 20-point games off the bench, I think he's second behind – uh, Jordan Clarkson and Thomas Bryant when he comes back um, he's going to give them something that they sorely missed last year which is efficient scoring at the center position and specifically three-point shooting uh, he's a really good three-point shooter but given he's coming off the injury and because of his past problems defensively I think uh, my expectation is that he'll start coming off the bench and probably stay in a bench role uh, moving forward and, and that my my guess would be that Gafford and Harrell have a leg up on him in terms of starting uh, but I think all three are going to play important roles this year yeah I 100% agree 100 110% agree with you on Daniel Gafford I'm a Daniel Gafford stan I love Gogo <laughs> nice uh, when he came here I mean he just changed the team defensively I think I think Tommy Shepard stole uh, from the Bulls I think he won the trade deadline a, a lot of national media um, pundits said that as well uh, I think the game that just – if you want to if, – if, if you've never seen Daniel Gafford before, just look up on YouTube, Wizards versus Pelicans, when he blocked Zion Williamson, who's, who you could argue is the most athletic guy in the NBA uh, right now. And, and, and Daniel Gafford blocked Zion Williamson at least two or three times at the basket. I mean, he, he won me over with that one. And um, I love his chemistry with Russell Westbrook. I hope it can continue. That's the only thing that I'm concerned with Gafford is, is a little bit of the offensive game is, you know, is, is his points going to go down. But Spencer Dinwiddie, I think he is going to be able to create um, some shots for Daniel Gafford. I, I saw you had an interview with Daniel Gafford that he was working um, on his jumper and, and some of his face-up postgame. So I do want to see that. And um, to your point with Contavious Caldwell-Pope, um, I just think Bradley Bill, it would help him to have a two-guard come off the bench because 
Last year, we tried Jerome Robinson to come off the bench and, and give Bradley Bill a little, a little bit of a break. It didn't really work out. And um, just in years past, you know, Jordan McRae was the backup two guard. That He was decent. And then we tried Austin Rivers. We tried Marcus Thornton. There was really hasn't had – we haven't had great depth at that shooting guard position. I think KCP would be one of our better um, two guard bench guys in, in, in the last five, ten years, to be honest. Um, so – uh, with Daniel Gafford, Thomas Bryant, I think they're great. I, I love the center position this year. And um, I was, I wanted to ask you as well, how do you see the new additions affecting Rui and Denny's development and also their playing time? Well, I think it's going to change a lot for Denny Avdia probably. Um, when it comes to Rui, even though Tommy Shepard said uh, he doesn't expect his role to change, I think he's going to be pushed more than he has been in the past. The same goes for Davis Bertans. They're just more depth at the forward position. Um, you know, even Corey Kispert's uh, going to be sort of waiting in the wings. That could push those guys. Um, you know, if Davis Bertans plays better, you got Kuzma now. Danny Avdia is going to be a year older. There's just going to be a lot of competition at their position. So I think, generally speaking, uh, we're going to go through stretches where guys who are used to getting minutes aren't getting minutes um, at the three and the four. Um, Denny Avdia, I, I think, fits in best on the bench. I know he started a lot of games last year at the three, but I'd like to see Kuzma at the three, starting at the three, and Denny Avdia on the bench because I think he'll have more of an opportunity to sort of spread his wings and show what he could do with the ball in his hands. Um, that's always been his big, his best trait. Like, I remember evaluating him before the draft and uh, watching a game of his and watching him dribble across the half court line in transition and just being blown away at what he could do at his size, six nine, just the ball control, the vision, the feel. Um, it's a really unique skill set, I think, for his size. And the Wizards weren't really able to showcase that last year because he was in the starting lineup with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, two high usage guys. And though Russell Westbrook's gone, there's still going to be some players in the starting lineup like Dinwiddie and Beal. Um, Ru Hachimura, I think, is increasingly aggressive looking for his own shot. And it, it could be another situation where he gets sort of lost in the sauce. Um, and, he, you know, he was relegated to be kind of a spot-up shooter last year. And it, it worked with sort of mixed results. Obviously, he had some early success and then struggled. So I would like to see him in the second unit as sort of a point forward. And I think a lot of Wizards fans probably agree with that. They'd like to see him in that role. And Ru Hachimura, I think, I'd like to see him um, in the starting lineup, and if he is there, is is no no lower than the third scoring option. You know, maybe Kuzma or someone supplants him and 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 gets in there as the second scoring option. But I think Rui Hachimura, he's already shown he can score. Um, he's an aggressive player. When he's at his best, he's aggressive. He can score around the rim. He can score in the mid range. He's become a better three point shooter. If he levels up again, I think he could be considered uh, you know a three level scorer. And I, I think he just needs to make sure that he doesn't play timid at all and he's confident, and he's attacking the rim and not deferring to others. And as long as he does that, I think he'll be in the starting lineup. And between Rui and Denny, or maybe both of them, I, th I think you know, probably the, the biggest net positive you could have out of this upcoming season if one of, is if one of those guys sort of emerges and looks like a future all-star. Right now, we haven't really seen that from either of them. We've seen them show flashes. Rui, obviously, more flashes because he's played two years. But I think that's a huge X factor this season is can those guys take a big leap forward because them doing so is so important for this team's future. Definitely, yeah. We, we need those uh, top ten picks to step up for us. And uh, how do you feel about Davies Bertans? Um, Washington Wizards, they put up a picture of him uh, working out the other day, and, and some uh, Wizards fans had fun with that picture. <laughs> but, uh, 
do you think he's do you think he's capable of having a uh, bounce back season this year? Yeah, uh, we'll have to see what Tommy Shepard thinks. I remember last year or mid season, or no, it was the end of this past season. He, he said in hindsight that uh, Dobbs Bertans had shown up to training camp a little fluffy. Uh, he was out of shape, right. so hopefully he's in better shape this time. Of course, I'm sure that's what Wizards fans were talking about. But I, I think Dobbs Bertans. What happened last year was actually in a way more encouraging than a lot of people think because obviously it was the first year of the big contract and as I mentioned earlier his performance was really magnified by where he was slated in the salary cap but now he's not the third highest paid player at least not by as much of a a margin as he was previously Um, there's a lot more depth at his position a lot more guys who can shoot a lot more who can score um, and I would be encouraged just by the fact that Davis Bertans last year, I think, was pretty snake bitten. He had a lot of bad luck. He probably had the worst uh, COVID outbreak of any of the players. You know, he had to be holed up in a hotel, as the New York Times detailed. Um, he also dealt with a bunch of minor injuries. Of course, the season was shut down in the playoffs. But I remember it just dawned on me uh, one game where he left, I think, with a calf injury, and they showed him on TV. And he had stitches above his left eye. And it was just kind of that type of year where he was just getting uh, banged around all the time. And he still shot like 40% from three. It was like just under 40%. Um, He averaged the most catch-and-shoot threes made per game of any player last year, shooting over 40% on those plays. So I think there might be a difference there. Like, obviously, the Wizards have seen some free agent contracts not work out in the past. But guys like Yamahimi and Otto Porter and others who signed big deals and didn't live up to those contracts, uh, I just remember like minor injuries kind of derailing their entire season, you know. And like for Yamahimi, he had that that knee injury in preseason right before he debuted, and he never really got off uh, on the wrong on the right foot after that. So maybe Davis Bertans operating through all that bad luck and still shooting almost forty percent is a good sign that he can be pretty resilient and that that's a down year. Um, then that's good. And, and you know, maybe uh, the Wizards adding a lot more shooting depth will give him more space and, and make them less reliable on him. But I think if I had to boil it down to sort of like a, a nutshell take, I would just say that um, I think the hope is that, that everyone else being able to shoot will, will elevate Davis Bertans um, and just that they still need him. You know, last year, they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. So I don't think he's at this point like expendable. A lot of Wizards fans after the deals that they made in the offseason kind of wondered, uh, all right, can they trade Davis Bertans now? I don't think so. I think that, that he's still going to be an important part of this team. I just would also say that I don't think his role is as guaranteed as it was in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if there are times this season where he's DNP for four or five straight games because he's not making shots because ultimately that's what he's paid to do. Right, yeah, he had, he had a couple of good streaky games. I remember the Nuggets game; he had a great game, but um, and then the Sixers game, he had zero points and, and six fouls. So it will be interesting how he plays this year. Uh, what would you define as a successful season for Wes Enzel Jr. his rookie or in his first uh, year as head coach? And how much do you see the Washington Wizards improving defensively? Uh, you know, Bradley Bill said last year that we couldn't guard a parked car. I think uh, just in terms of team standings, if they make the playoffs, uh, then that's a successful year for Wes Unsell Jr. Um, the reason I say that is because the, the East is going to be better, like we said. He's also a first-year head coach. There's a learning curve there. And they got rid of Russell Westbrook. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, he doesn't have that's another star to sort of lean on. I think Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal uh, added some stability at sort of the top of the roster. 
So I think if they can get in as the eighth seed in an improved Eastern Conference and not even win a playoff series, I think that would be a successful first year, um, all things considered. Um, but, you know, beyond just where they rank in the standings and where they end up, I think most important for Wes Sunsell Jr. will be to create a player development system that can allow guys like Rui Hachimura and uh, Daniel Gafford and Denny Avdia to take a step forward. If those guys continue to ascend, then the, the team's future will be bright. Um, and then also, um, you know, if Bradley Beal can, can continue to get better, um, you know, certainly if they can sign him to a contract extension, uh, that'll create some positivity uh, for the first year. And then the defense, as you mentioned, if Wes Unsell Jr. can uh, install his principles and get the most out of the players, and I think that's going to uh, lay a good foundation for them moving forward. So I think as long as they're the eighth seed to make the playoffs, it'll be a success. Um, but certainly you want to look at other uh, indicators to make sure that they're moving in the right direction and, and see how those will reflect on Wes Unsell Jr. Right. And um, do you see uh, Tommy Shepard trying to make another trade this year? I know we kind of got some imbalance on this roster. Um, I don't think he will in the immediate future because, you know, he said about a month ago that he wants to see this team play together first and then kind of go from there. Um, I think his hope is probably for them to open the season and uh, a bunch of, in particular, the veteran players that they acquired, like, you know, Aaron Holiday, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Montrezl Harrell, if those guys all play well, then they're going to approach the trade deadline with a lot of options in terms of what they can do in the trade market. So I think there's going to be a showcasing element to the beginning of this season, and maybe by the deadline they'll be prepared to strike in an aggressive way. Um, but for now, I don't expect them to make a big move. And I say that understanding that last offseason they made their biggest move after training camp began because they traded for Russell Westbrook. But that was a truncated offseason to a greater degree. And I think they, they like the direction that they're heading in. As long as they can keep Bradley Beal happy and get him signed to a contract extension, I don't think they see urgency in having to make a deal, you know, in the next few weeks, for instance. Uh, but I do think they'll be thinking in those terms as, the, as they approach the trade deadline. Right. And um, before we wrap up here, I just want to get a, a quick over under on Bradleyville, 30 points per game. And do you think Brad is going to make a all NBA team this year? I'll go over on 30 points per game. You know, two yeah. straight years, he's averaged 30 plus. He just continues to get better. And I think he's going to have more depth around him, more scoring depth, guys who can create their own shot, guys who can shoot. They're going to make life a little bit easier for him. He faced a lot of double teams last year, and he still averaged 31 points a game. So I think the question would be, with this depth, is the, they're going to be more sharing, more, uh, you know, less usage for Bradley Beal, fewer shots. But even if he does that and he just shoots a higher percentage, particularly from three because he's got more help, then I think he can average 30 points again. And if he's averaging 30 points and this team is, you know, surprising a lot of people with where they rank in the standings, um, then certainly a lot of awards could come his way, maybe some MVP votes. Um, but after what he did last year, you know, making All-NBA for the first time, I, I expect him to be right in the mix uh, once again. But it might be diff more difficult this year because there were a lot of injured players last year who are going to be back and playing well, hopefully, uh, over the course of a full season. So it's, it's always really, really crowded at the guard position and just in general trying to make All-NBA. But now that he's got that pedigree, you know, I, I, I've, I've voted in the past on awards, 
And part of it is just, you know, when people see you as an all-star or see you as all NBA, sometimes that can help your cause. Now people see him as all NBA. So I don't see anything changing in that regard. Right. Yeah. I mean, he really almost won that scoring title. And um, now, you know, he's, he was an all-star starter last year. So more eyes are on him, like you said. So I think it will be, it's going to be tougher, but you know, once you have your name, that name for yourself, um, it's definitely easier to make another all NBA. And um, last question here. Um, what are some key training camp is next week and uh, what, what day is media day? Looks like it's going to be Monday. Monday. Okay. All right. And then we'll wrap up uh, with Washington football. How do you, what's your uh, prediction here for the football team? Do you think they make the playoffs or how do you think they finish up? <laughs> well, I think it's going to be tough to make the playoffs. I think they'll fall just short, um, but be a better team than they were last year. Like I think they'll finish around 500. But I think it'll take more than that to win the division. Dallas looks pretty good. Um, I think Jalen Hurts, a lot of people are sleeping on him. And the Eagles, we'll see about their new head coach. Um, not too impressed with him so far. But, right. uh, you know, now the quarterback's hurt for Washington. The defense is off to a slow start. So I think they'll, they'll rally from that and finish like 8-9 and nine or 9-8. Nine and eight. I don't know if that's going to be enough for the wild card. But I'm pretty optimistic about their future. I think they're building it the right way. They're not taking shortcuts. And as long as they can find a quarterback, you know, probably next offseason, they'll be in pretty good shape. Uh, what do you think, playoffs or no? It's going to be tough. Um, I mean, Heineke, he's, he's, just, he's got some magic to him. He really – he just makes things happen out of nowhere. And he has some luck on his side, too. I mean, you look at the, the Giants game. He has luck on his side. Um, <laughs> right now, Eagles lost. Cowboys should have lost yesterday. Um uh, I want to be a homer and say we made the playoffs, but um, I'm I, I have us going nine and eight before the season started. I'm gonna stay with nine and I'm gonna stay with nine and eight. I'm gonna stay, and I think nine and eight gets you a wild card. So you know what? I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say we made the playoffs. Okay, I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be a confident homer here. <laughs> uh, but, but Chase, I want to thank you for coming on. Everybody who's listening, make sure you guys check out Locked On Bets. Uh, betting on the NBA or NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, and hand- handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks. And Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day, follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. And um, Chase, if you have anything to plug um, coming up, just uh, let the people know. Uh, nothing, just I guess uh, training camp coverage on NBC Sports Washington. If you uh, want to check it out, we'll be, we'll be there every step of the way. Definitely, yeah. Thank you for coming on and have a good, everybody have a good one. Absolutely, man. Let's do it again. Yep. Thank you. Peace. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.